Hello and welcome to our podcast. In our previous episodes, we've gone over female heads of state and female representation in government. It's clear from these episodes that international relations, policies, peace, and more are all benefited from having women in government and in positions of power. It has been incredible to learn about all of the research and evidence of the benefits that women bring, and it's clear to me that those messages must be widely understood and accepted in order to break down the deep roots of misogyny. However, the uprise in right-wing populism and conservatism really threatens the implementation of gender-equalizing policies and has slowed the cultural shift needed for women to be considered equal to everyone. In the United States in the past four years with Trump, We've seen him target many women's rights in different ways. The suspension of federal data collection rule designed to close the gender pay gap, the introduction of significant restrictions on access to reproductive care as well as reproductive freedom, and more recently, the threatening of repealing Roe v. Wade. Trump has also weakened Title IX, putting students at greater risk of sexual harassment and assault, as well as many other policies that roll back women's rights and hurt gender equality in the United States. In addition, The language that he has used when talking about women is disrespectful and truly portrays messages of misogyny and conveys that a lack of respect for women is justified and socially acceptable. This phenomena is definitely not unique to the U.S., and we wanted to take time to unpack the connection between right-wing populism, conservatism, and feminism. Around the world, right-wing populist parties have gained power, and often these governments attack women's rights and repeal their freedoms. This really made me wonder why right-wing populist groups specifically target women's rights and what can be done to stop the erosion of women's rights. Poland and Hungary are useful examples of these situations, so we'll be using them as case studies for this episode. First, Augusta will start off with some background about what is happening in the world, specifically in Hungary and Poland, in relation to women's rights and their right-wing populist governments. In Poland, currently the majority party in government is the right-wing populist Law and Justice Party, or PIS. The party is conservative, which means they emphasize conservative notions of the nation, family, and tradition, and is very influenced by the Catholic Church. The party is also populist, so they split the country into two groups, true Poles and the worst of sort. The true Poles come from local, small town, or rural communities and claim to have morality, religious devotion, and patriotism. The outgroup are any parties that are against the Law and Justice Party, communists, Russia, Germany, immigrants, and the LGBTQ community. Human Rights Watch reported that the Law and Justice Party has attacked women's rights activism. Two days after the black protests, which were in response to a parliamentary debate about implementing a total abortion ban in Poland, two women NGOs were raided by police and their computers and documents seized. Government agencies have threatened people's jobs for supporting women's rights protests or collaborating with women's rights groups. The government has also denied women's organizations funding. This has led to staff cuts, reduction in essential services for survivors of domestic and other gender-based violence, and a reduction in geographical area that these organizations can reach. Instead, PIS gave the funding to Catholic NGOs or even government-sponsored organizations that they claim are more truly representative of the country. 
There's also a lack of funding for academic research about gender studies, and the Minister of Education called gender studies a pseudoscience and that he regrets the grants that were wasted on research in the field. The government and Catholic Church have supported groups that mischaracterize women's rights organizations as dangerous to families and traditional values. And finally, Poland has one of the most restrictive abortion laws in Europe, and the government has worked to restrict reproductive rights even further by limiting access to emergency contraception. In Hungary, the majority party in government is the Fidesz party. Similar to Poland's majority party, it is conservative, populist, and illiberal. Both parties are illiberal because the regimes do maintain some democratic procedures like elections and political parties. However, they have a disregard for constitutional limits and the protection of individual rights. Fidesz has to come to dom Fidesz has come to dominate Hungarian politics on the national and local levels since its landslide election in the 2010 national elections. The leader of the Fidesz party, Viktor Orban's rhetoric on women has been dismissive, insulting, and usually focuses on women's role as childbearers and homemakers. The Hungarian parliament, controlled by the Fidesz party, has rejected the ratification of a treaty to combat violence against women, backing a government declaration that the measure promotes destructive gender ideologies and illegal migration. In 2018, the government suspended gender, gender studies at colleges and banned changes to a person's sex record at birth, thus boycotting transgender rights. The second biggest political party in Hungary right now is the Movement for Better Hungary, or the Jobbik Party. This party also describes itself as principled, conservative, and radically patriotic Christian party, whose fundamental purpose is the protection of Hungarian values and interests. After hearing all the policies that these governments have enacted and how they have framed gender equality in their countries, really makes me wonder why right-wing populist governments oppose feminist policies and promote family mainstreaming. How does supporting these policies help them gain and maintain support? For my research on this topic, I read The Gendered Modus Operandi of Illiberal Transformation in Poland by Veronica Grabalska and Andrea Pedo. In this paper, the authors describe why Law and Justice Party are so against feminist policies and gender equality and why they promote family mainstreaming. They discussed that populism and illiberalism are a response to the failures of neoliberalism. They state that people vote for illiberal parties as a way to oppose globalization, neoliberalism, and the influence of elites and transnational institutions like the EU and the UN on national politics and values. Gender politics is immensely significant in this shift from liberal to illiberal order because it enables right-wing actors to instill fear into the public and therefore entrench their illiberal ideas into the national identity. Grabalska and Pedo describe gender as the symbolic glue because gender politics acts as a symbol of everything that is wrong with the current state of politics and neoliberalism. They state that framing the concept of gender ideology as an enemy figure has allowed illiberal actors to create a coalition of many actors that have not always cooperated in the past, such as 
mainstream conservatives and extreme far-right groups or fundamentalist Christians and Muslim groups. In Poland and Hungary, the governments characterize feminism, human rights, and progressive political actors as controlled by foreign interests and frames them as dangerous to national interests. As stated by Grabowska and Pedo, illiberals in Hungary and Poland have demonized civil society and human rights issues and frame these problems as existential threats to the well-being of the nation. They then argue that these issues should be dealt with without proper public debate. Gender issues have been taken out of the normal political sphere and portrayed as an urgent threat to the survival of Poles as a nation. Immigration and the refugee crisis was also presented to the public in this similar way, which shaped people's perceptions and their willingness to allow the government to handle situations with much more haste and less consultation. Essentially, how I understand it now after reading this paper and many others, the illiberal right has put progressive civil society and women's rights organizations and supporters in the position of the enemy of the nation. By framing gender ideology in such a negative and threatening way, it enables the government to control citizens through fear. That fear then translates to the toleration of government overstep, allowing the government to take extreme actions without any oversight. In Hungary, the Fidesz party has maintained power and support since 2010. Part of the way the party has maintained power is through constitution alterations made by Viktor Orban, prime minister, as he entered the office. These changes helped Fidesz win the next several elections because opposition votes remained divided between multiple parties. A New York Times article reports, unless opposition unifies, Fidesz would win under the new electoral system according to widely accepted political science theories. In an article by Insight Hungary, Rita Antony, a chair of a women's rights lobby group, cites that Orban's homophobic, sexist, and transformic rhetoric shores up supporters who feel threatened by minorities. This rhetoric plays on the fears of supporters and is often very harmful to minorities. Viktor Orban, the prime minister since 2010, has very traditional views on women and a women's place in society. This view is not new to Hungary, but has percolated throughout policy in recent years. In May of 2010, at the height of the coronavirus pandemic, Hungary announced it would not follow the EU and 35 other countries in ratifying the Istanbul Consensus. The Istanbul Consensus establishes a gold standard of inclusion, recognizing everyone's right to live free from violence, regardless of identity. It obliges state parties to uphold the minimum standards for protection from and prevention and prosecution of violence against women. After reading so many papers on this topic, it really made me curious about why many women support these populist and illiberal governments and their policies that are anti-feminist. A really interesting point by Grabowska and Petto is that neoliberalism dismantled the welfare state and promoted ideas of paid employment and individual choice, which resulted in a system where some women were put in positions of, of power, but many felt left behind. The neoliberal system tended to favor professional women, which led to many women feeling frustrated with equality politics as a whole. PIS and Fidesz in turn supported familialism, 
and family mainstreaming, which resonated with those women and resulted in their support for the party. For example, Poland has implemented the Family 500 Plus program, which is a cash transfer for each additional child that a family has. It is really unlikely that this will increase the fertility rate as it was implemented to do because there's actually a positive correlation between gender equality and fertility, but Grabowska and Petto discuss that this program really just reinforces the traditional family model and does not advance women's rights in equal pay or equal division of labor in the house. However, many women support the program because it significantly reduces poverty among families with kids. In this way, the program does support women, but it only sees women through the limited scope of women as mothers, which reaffirms traditional gender roles. In general, it can be hard to understand how women support groups that sometimes actively repair the that sometimes actively repeal their own rights as women. More generally, it can be confusing to understand how women support groups that are sometimes actively repealing their own rights as women. Besides women who fundamentally hold beliefs of right-wing groups, some women who do not support their gender inequality will still support the groups because they hold other political beliefs or desires higher than gender equality. One World Economic Forum article by Laura Lisa Woods cites that it can be compared to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is a well-accepted motivational theory in psychology. In this pyramid, you cannot achieve the next level of needs without achieving the first one. On the bottom of this pyramid, are psychological needs such as food and clothing. Next is safety, which can be compared to job security. Next is love and belonging needs, which can be friendship and other relationships. And the fifth level of the pyramid is esteem and self-actualization. When there are individual concerns about economic security, the loss of jobs through globalization and automation, threats of terrorism and nationalistic appeals, to their sense of identity, women can hold those higher than gender equality when voting. An article by the Observer Research Foundation cites studies in Poland, Germany, Sweden, and France that indicate women are increasingly drawn to far-right populist parties in Europe that have been trending on the rise of the, over the last decade. This study attributes fear of social exclusion and financial strain as important factors contributing to the votes of women for right-wing populist parties. As populist groups have been on the rise in the last decade, they have restructured some of their messages in order to gain the female vote. Some strategies being used by right-wing groups involve reframing the meaning of feminism in order to align with the ideas and their own agenda. After reading so much about what is happening in Poland and Hungary right now, I was eager to figure out how the erosion of women's rights can actually be stopped. Without adequate funding or support in government, women's NGOs don't have any influence over policy, 
and getting funding from other countries just entrenches the idea that women's NGOs are foreign-influenced and dangerous to the nation. Grabowska and Pedo state that mass protests, like the Black protests in Poland, can be an influential way to engage civil society while protecting these groups' legitimacy. Protests challenge the legitimacy of the ruling party and can build mass support around the issue. A thriving civil society against the ruling government's policies is extremely powerful and can have a real impact on slowing the erosion of women's rights. Similar to Poland, public and unified challenges to the legitimacy of the ruling party will be essential in order to increase gender equality in Hungary. After reading about the impact of the Me Too movement in an article by Political Critique, I was unsurprised to hear about loose punishments for perpetrators, as well as the social acceptance of a comeback of certain directors and producers. However, the Green European Journal spoke with Rekka Kinga Pop, editor-in-chief of Eurozine, who says that many young people today are much more willing to take a stand against sexism, and they even dare to think that they deserve better treatment. 